This episode of the Chats by Rotary Act Australia podcast is sponsored by Rotary International District 9650. 9650 is in northern New South Wales and current District Governor Debbie Loveday is passionate about engaging young people in meaningful and creative ways. The district is home to two Rotary Act clubs and over 50 Rotary clubs and over the last few years has been hugely encouraging of Rotary Act and Rotary's youth programs including RILA. The district actively seeks ways to encourage and support millennials and those at the start of their career to take up some of the great opportunities Rotary International can provide. To find out more about the district, head to their Facebook page, Rotary District 9650, or their website, www.rotary9650.org.au. You're listening to Chats by Rotaract Australia, where we bring Rotaractors together to inspire, educate and collaborate. Hey guys, welcome to the Chats by Rotaract Australia podcast. My name is Laura and I'm your host. And today we have part two of all things international. My guest today is again, Harrison Howick from the Rotaract Club of Burley Heads. He is the international director. Welcome back, Harrison. Thank you so much for having me. I feel like there's so many things more to say. I think when we started talking last time, we really just, we didn't even scratch the surface of this incredible project. And so for everyone who hasn't checked out part one, you probably will be a wee bit confused. So definitely check that part out first and then come straight back for part two. But Harrison, can you give us a recap on what project we will be talking about? Of course again. So the project is to construct a building at a pre-existing medical centre in Vanuatu. It'll be having a portable x-ray machine and blood analyzers, and it'll be servicing a region of 20 to 30,000 people. And so this is a collaboration between a couple of Rotary Clubs and your Rotaract Club? Correct. So it's the Rotary Clubs of Broadbeach, Gold Coast, Surface Sunrise, and the Rotaract Club of Belly Heads. Wonderful. In the last episode, we learned all about how it sort of came to be and why your club is so invested in wanting to do an international project. I feel like that's the immediate, this is the project and this is what we're doing. But as anyone who has done event planning or project planning before can appreciate, there's so much other things that go on from really good different collaborations to challenges immediately and then long-term. So I thought we would dive straight into some of that, as well as physically building this uh, wing that you're going to flat pack over to Vanuatu. What are some of the other things your club has been able to get involved in through the project? That's a really great question. As a liaison for the Rotaract Club, I've tried my best to create inclusive ways to get involved because supporting other communities and cultures shouldn't just be limited to those that can build a hospital physically. So alongside that, we've recently sent over $60,000 worth of medical supplies to Dr. Richard in Port Villa and Mourner Hospital. The supplies included 28 medical beds that did have to get carried in, but they also included thousands of dollars worth of medical supplies that needed to be sorted, accounted for, and inventoried into boxes to get set up into the shipping container get sent over. So alongside that, we've also got a few other subcommittees within the project from the Rotaract side, and that's providing our expertise as Rotaractors and as young professionals. What is some of that expertise? For myself with an international relations background, when I came in to the first global grant writing session, we realized that I realized that the community 
needs assessment that was done initially earlier this year and late last year didn't have enough quantitative data. And part of the grant writing process is that Rotary International asks for key performance indicators or KPIs to be reported on every month, six months or yearly for the grants process and for the timeline. Now, through discussions with the Rotarians, it, is, it was decided that there was going to be needed a more intensive community's assessment. So myself and some of the other Rotor actors are in the process of creating that assessment, including community interviews with a translator. And that is done through association with an incredible professor of Pacific Island culture and an individual that had also helped create a written alphabet for the region. And so why is the community needs assessment so important when the project is building a, building a wing of a hospital? Specific and targeted aid is really vital. It's not enough to simply do good in the world. Good needs to be targeted and good needs to be effective and good needs to be sustainable. Now, the reason why community needs assessment is vital to start with and also at a later date is because it lets individuals know what is the best way to support a group. So obviously having buy-in on the ground from either a Rotary Club or from a professional such as Dr. Richard Leona is beneficial. Having metrics and having quantitative data provides limitless possibilities in terms of reporting mechanisms and what you can do moving forwards. So obviously building something is some rotor actors cup of tea. They're, they're into nailing and hammers and jigsaws. Uh, Clearly not me. I'm not a construction person. What are, what were some of the other things that rotor actors have been able to help with if it's not the physical building or counting or sorting? We're currently in the process of setting up a website as well. A few weeks ago, I was doing some work with a different organization, Sense for Seeds. Google it, check it out. They're phenomenal. And they have a medical center that they also support. And I really love the way that they presented the information. They presented information on patients. They presented information on pretty much lives and impact. And I wanted to replicate that. So we're in the process of building a website for both the immediate term in terms of fundraising. We're still around about 70,000 short with future collaborations to impact that. Alongside the website, a GoFundMe page is also getting created. And there's an internal committee for small fundraisers to occur over the next 24 months to make sure that the Rotaract Club can contribute outside of our normal club events. So is this something that other Rotaract clubs might be able to get on board supporting? 100%. If anyone would like to get involved with this project, feel free to message me, Harrison Howick, on Facebook, harrison.howick at gmail.com, and I'm more than happy to get back to you on how you can get involved. And if this is not the project for you, I do know of quite a few different projects occurring both locally and internationally, locally being Australia and internationally, and I could point you in the right direction. What is the benefit to Rotaractors and the Rotaract Club to this value adding to, you know, an initial project and then everything else around it? Often there's different phases and needs of a project and different different facilitators and different buy-ins can improve that project in those different points. Everyone has different expertise and some individuals or organizations will have finance to support and you need all of them to make a project work. And it's not enough to throw money at something. It's not enough to have a beautiful think tank that can come up with the most incredible designs and ideas and theories on how to make something better if there's not all the other steps in between to make it real. Absolutely. And obviously this is probably a fairly complex project dealing, I guess, locally in Australia and then also with stuff happening in Vanuatu plus COVID plus, you know, life. What are some of the struggles and challenges that have happened throughout the project so far? One of the really interesting struggles that I didn't know anything about coming into this was how Vanuatu national and tribal politics play into the sphere. 
the different islands have different medical quotas in terms of what hospitals can be built in what regions. And this development actually occurs outside of the pre-mandated 1974 policy on what can be built. So we had to go and get government support to ensure that the hospital would be supported. So the medical center could come up and we could send it over. Really excitingly, about a month and a half ago, we did get a letter from the Minister of Health of Vanuatu and they're completely on board. So it is full steamroll ahead. Is something I suppose that you can't really begin to fathom living here, but is also a really key part of something that needs to happen when we do international projects, particularly in the developing world, is taking into account the political, social constructs of where the project or the building or whatever it is is going to be based because ultimately it's the the local people who will be using or accessing the facilities there when it's all done, right? Completely. And one of my areas of passion is is trying to break down our preconceived notions and structures of what Western ideals mean in terms of providing support to developing countries. And a really quick antidote and a funny story. So that Des is the head builder of the project. He's 87, bless his heart. And he is helping us with this incredible construction. This is the fourth building he's made for developing nations around the Pacific. And he let me know of a story when he was working. He had an engineer with him. And in some downtime, the engineer found four washing machines that weren't working. And so in the afternoon, he had some downtime. The engineer fixed them up and good to go. And in the morning, they were walking through the village and they saw five or six women crying at the river. And they asked one of the locals, well, why are they crying for? And they said, since the washing machines are fixed, they've lost their jobs. So the engineer went and he cut the cords of all the four washing machines And it's just really interesting when we think of providing support and helping what that actually looks like on the ground. Mm. This is a ginormous project. What are some of the external partnerships you guys have been pursuing as a result of this? That's a really awesome question. So aside from um, some obvious partners being the Gold Coast Medical Association, as we mentioned last episode. We're also reaching out to Griffith University and Bond University. So there's an opportunity for cultural immersion, student exchange, and even student swapping, which could provide some passive income for the medical center and provide local students with a deeper understanding of what it means to work and live in another country. Alongside that, we're also reaching out to the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade. There's this program at universities called the New Colombo Plan or NCP. Highly recommend looking at it. It provides long-term and short-term experiences, and we're looking if we can get the Mourna Medical Center listed as a short-term experience for study immersion, as well as tapping into their aid budget to the region. So luckily, being an international relations student, I have already had the chance to network with some members of the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade, trying to hit up those links and see if I can't chase it up the line. That's another key part of what a lot of Rotaractors want to get out of Rotaract is tapping into those professional networks and building their professional resume and goals and aspirations for the future whilst doing good, but also the professional development that comes from that. And clearly you and the club have been full steam ahead in that regard as well. We've been trying to, yeah. (laughs) And so have I missed out anything on this fantastic project? The only other thing that I'd add is that it has been an incredible opportunity for all of us to get a deeper relationship with Rotary. The last couple of years before Elevate Rotaract occurred, we've definitely tried to forge our way in our relationships, much as other Rotaract clubs have in terms of being seen as equals. And just the benefit of having six or seven Rotaractors, plus or minus, working with Rotarians on a regular basis has created this beautiful relationship of equality and of 
trust and respect that really makes me happy when I see it. It's really beautiful to see 80, 90 year old men greeting rotor actors when they walk into this shed, just like they would anyone else. It makes me feel really nice. That is the Rotary International family hard at work. And so finally, what is your one piece of advice to rotor actors? I know I asked you this last time, but I feel like you, you could offer at least one more wise word of wisdom. One more wise word. So last week I gave you leverage your network. And what I'd say this time is look how you can value add. So in any relationship, organization, project, there are going to be different ways that you, with your personal strengths, your personal capacities, your lived experience, how you can create value in that organization, project or event. And if you can encapsulate that and you can learn from that, you can do incredible things. Wonderful. Well, Everyone, I hope that this part two chat has been just as informative as part one and you are incredibly inspired to go and help our international world as much as your local community. So thank you so much, Harrison, for your time again. If anyone wants to reach out to Harrison or the Rotaract Club of Burley Heads, I'm sure they would be more than happy to hear from people. Thank you so much, Harrison. And Thank you for I- having me again. Excellent. Please check out the latest episodes of the Chats by Rotaract Australia podcast. We will be back very soon and we will see you then. Don't forget to subscribe to Chats by Rotaract Australia on your favourite podcasting channel and like, share and comment on the RA socials.